welcome back to The Dad Chronicle. I'm your host, Alex Albisu. This is episode 75. Before we get started with the show, I want to remind you that you can visit thedadchronicle.com to subscribe for free. Make sure that you don't miss a single episode. Click one of those links to your favorite podcatcher and subscribe today. Also, this podcast is made possible by all of you who subscribe to our patron service. While you're over at thedadchronicle.com, make sure that you're checking out the various patron levels. Even if you're just subscribed at a dollar a month, every little bit helps. Today, I welcome a familiar voice back to the show. It's Jeff Blau. Now, if you remember back in January, Jeff was on the show. He was on and he talked about his experience with his wife, Holly, and raising two stepsons and going from the life of a bachelor to a stepfather. But he also talked about his battle with infertility with his wife. Well, we have some good news. Holly is pregnant and Jeff is on the road to becoming a father. This road hasn't been an easy one, though. We talk about the anxiety that he had with his work and how he quit out of the blue and didn't tell Holly. I pulled a dick move and just quit (laughs) and didn't tell Holly I was going to quit. We also talk about a medical mishap that caused Holly to have to go into emergency surgery. The doctor's like, have you had anything to eat or drink today? And she's like, no, I went to a meeting. I've had like water. She's like, all right, we're going to put you into surgery. And finally, we talk about how they found a doctor that made them feel confident in their ability to conceive. This was the first doctor we had gone to that really made us feel like we had the chance. Let's welcome back to the show, Jeff Blau. Jeff Blau, thanks so much for coming back to the Dad Chronicle. How are you, sir? I'm good. How about you? Yeah, I'm good, man. Uh, It's been 20 episodes since you have been here. And a lot has happened. There's been so much that's happened in your life. And uh, I'm really excited to share your story again, um, you know, kind of where you are at this point. Uh, But for folks who may not have listened 20 episodes back, do you want to share again who you are? Yeah, um, I'm I'm Jeff Blau. Um, I used to work with Alex uh, way back in the day. Um, Yeah, we've been we talked about struggling with. Uh, infertility and trying to have a child we've been trying at that point since april of that year in 2018 and then for the last yeah january which is when we did the podcast to may we had been struggling and went through a lot of issues with different doctors and all kinds of stuff and i'll go into that but um yeah, and you've yeah. We, in the last we, time you were here, you were talking about uh, you're married to Holly, and you have mm. two stepsons, and yep. we were talking quite a bit about what it's like to be a step parent, and mm. uh, yeah, and like how much you and Holly were looking forward to becoming parents of you know like between the two of you together. Yeah. Um, and you know, before we even start on that, let, let's talk about Holly and the boys. How are they doing? Uh, they're doing great. Um, the, they've been enjoying the summer. Ben is getting ready to go into fifth grade, and Lucas is going to be in first grade. Wow. Um. Yeah. Yeah. They they they're growing like weeds. Yeah. They they've just been enjoying the summer. We went to Atlanta a few weeks ago to the we went to the the aquarium out there, and of course I'm like, yeah, let's just go out to the aquarium. It's July Fourth. It'll be fine. It's it was. Oh. The, God, it's yeah. so hot. <laughs> yeah, that, that, oh, yeah, that that and it was the most crowded it's been since it's opened. Yeah. So I'm I'm great with timing. <laughs> it was it was fun because it like I got to see I've always wanted to go to that aquarium. I'd been to Atlanta several times for Dragon Con, but I'd never gotten to the aquarium. 
I just wish I had picked a day where maybe it wasn't the most packed it's been in 10 years. Right. <laughs> um, the best part was the place I could sit and watch the whale sharks just circle around this huge tank. And it was somewhat quiet and somewhat serene until I had to go back into the sea of people. It was worse than Disney. And I know you're a Disney head. It was worse than Disney. Like in, when I went to Disney, I think we had either just got back from Disney when uh, uh, I did the podcast or we were, had, were just about to leave for it. But yeah. we had just gotten to, we did Disney the week after new year's. And so it was pretty empty. That's one of their low points of the year, which was great. Cause you can get on rides and you don't have to wait. And the, it's not blisteringly hot, but yeah, the, it, this made anything I've been to Disney just look like just, it was, I can imagine this is what the crowds would look like at, uh, galaxy's edge. If, oh. If they didn't have like the, you know how they, they're, they're letting only a certain amount of people in every four hours yeah. right now that I can only imagine it would be like this. It's like when Avatar opened up. Yeah. It, it, uh, it, I heard it was just a sea of people. It was, yeah. Uh, and we took, and uh, if people have been listening to uh, the show for a while, you probably remember we took Aria to Disney. Um, it was like late last year. And that was, that was a great experience as a parent. Um, and it was, it was just, it was fun. And we did that uh, Avatar land. And even today it is so packed the, the lines are stupid long for like for, for some of those rides and they're very good. Like, don't get me wrong. Like I totally get it, yeah. but uh, yeah, I'm sure galaxy's edge is probably worse than whatever. Yeah, Avatar. Toy story had just opened when we were there. So it had been what, how long had it been Holly? A couple months. Yeah. Only a couple months since toy story had opened. Yeah. And um, it was like the lines there were pretty darn long. Like I didn't even ride slinky dog. She took, um, she took Lucas to go ride Slinky Dog uh, later on in the day, um, but yeah, I, I, that that the, that was the first time I'd ever been there. I'd only been to the Magic Kingdom before that, so yeah. I gotten to do Epcot and uh, Hollywood Studio. I'm so used to like as a kid calling yep. it MGM Studios. I still do it. I still do it. <laughs> um, and I'd never gotten to ride Star Tours, and you know how much of a huge Star Wars nerd I am. Oh yeah, you and I both. This is how. And for folks who don't remember the first time that we spoke on this show, uh, one of the things that Jeff and I immediately uh, gravitated to together uh, in our common geekdom is Star Wars. Like that's something that both of us are very passionate about. Um, and, I, and I actually want to throw something out there for you. Um, mm -hmm. Star Wars question. If you were part of the uh, the Dad Chronicle community on Facebook, uh, one of the fellow dads over there talked about how somebody spoiled uh, Darth Vader being Luke's uh, dad in, in, uh, in Star Wars. And he was super bummed about that. Do the do the boys know that dynamic at that point at this point or is that still yeah. kind of yeah. they've uh, all seen them I mean they're named after Star Wars characters well fair Lucas. fair yeah fair <laughs> fair so, so but, um, but was that ever a thing for you or or no I, no no it wasn't because they had already seen the movies before I it was ever around um I if you were trying to have that experience with your child I can see why that would be a bummer. I also saw one of our old coworkers, Hoban, said it's a 30 year old movie. And it's more than a 30, it's like a 40 year old movie. It really is, yeah. Um, which should make us all feel old. Um, <laughs> it, you know, it, 
I see both sides of the spectrum of it. I do too. It's so ingrained though in popular culture, you know, I am your father, that it's kind of hard to insulate that point plot point nowadays. Like it's the same as I see dead people. Like, yes, spoiler. It's a 20 year old movie. Bruce Willis is dead through the whole thing. What? Um, yeah, no. I know. Sorry. <laughs> um, so like I, I, I understand why he wanted it to be special in the same right. Like you, it's almost impossible to insulate your child from the fact that Darth Vader is Luke's father. It's, that's like, very it's challenging. just, it's so well known. And like, I'll be, it was one of the biggest secrets in like Hollywood secrets. And it was one of the first, if I remember correctly, yeah, where there was this huge reveal and, uh, you know, yes, it's it's uh, such an emotional impact, but at this point, it's been out for so long that it, it it's unfortunate. But I can't really be like, you know, whoever spoiled it isn't shouldn't be ostracized for it. You know what I mean? <laughs> yeah, and I'd actually be really curious, uh, folks who are listening, uh, other parents. You can email in the Dad Chronicle Podcast at gmail dot com. Let me know uh, if you have any thoughts on if uh if that is something that's uh like, like if it's something that people should be excited about you know uh your, your kid should should see it as a surprise or is it you know is it too late 30 plus years later i think it would be different now like i still wouldn't say what happened at the end of game of thrones i still think that's too fresh yeah but now yeah i mean i would say you know dark Snape killed Dumbledore. I think that's what? that is enough time now. <laughs> you know, um, I think you, you give it six months for most movies. Like I still think Infinity or Endgame is still too fresh for me to tell. Yeah, who and like and the problem is that one that's been leaked everywhere. And oh, if yeah. you've seen, you if you watch the trailer for Spider Man Far From Home, it spoils it. Yeah. So well, and and I I accidentally saw it as a spoiler just on social media days like a day before i was gonna see it and i and i was gonna see it like like it came out on a you know that thursday i was going to see it that monday or tuesday or something like i was busy that weekend in vegas for a podcast meetup and then yeah i saw it i was like well can't say i didn't see it coming but anyway Uh, yeah i I, that would have bummed me out but i mean it was just the one right just the main i saw i saw more i saw i I saw more than that I, i saw that there was uh the choice the choice yeah we'll leave it at that yeah yep well the the choice that was made um so anyway but um always fun talking uh geeky stuff with you by the way Uh, no doubt no but uh for for holly i I forgot to mention she's doing good uh the the surgery went okay um yeah and and we'll talk a little bit about that surgery here yeah coming up Um, i'm glad to hear she's but yeah that everybody's been doing well Uh, we got off on that tangent but uh, but yeah, all the kids and, and wife are doing sparklingly well. Okay, good. Good. Well, um, let's talk about what has happened, what's transpired over the past several months. And, you know, just to preface this, everybody on the other end of it, it's all positive. We're, we're all going to come out of this thing, you know, on the other end of this, is everything's fine. So, uh, but but it was pretty tumultuous up to this point. So oh, yeah. you had a lot of trouble uh, in this, uh, journey to conceive 
a child mm-hmm. between you and Holly. Why don't you talk about some of the factors that contributed to that? Yeah, absolutely. Um, so we had been trying naturally um, from April of 2018 until about October of 2018. And we had had no luck. Timing was off. Um, I had some performance anxiety because when it's different when you're, when you're making love to, to have fun than when you're trying to conceive a child and there's that pressure if and it, it got in my head and there was performance anxiety there going on. I think my weight also had a, had a lot to do with it at the time. And so in October of that year, Holly went to her OBGYN and had got some medication uh, to help with uh, production of follicles, which was uh, letrozole. And so then we were, you know, again, trying to set the time up. And again, we were having timing issues with myself. And um, I was at that time in October, I was at my uh, one of my previous employers and I was not happy. I was just miserable at my job. I didn't like it. And it was causing huge issues with our marriage. Um, I was coming home completely just in a terrible mood. My anxiety going to work was through the roof because I just didn't want to be there because it was like I literally would have panic attacks sitting at my desk just because like, I would I would just it was just not the job for me. And um, I pulled a dick move and just quit <laughs> and didn't tell Holly I was going to quit. And I turned in my, my notice and came back home and she was incredibly supportive and said, we're not going to make today the day that you quit your job. We're going to make the t- day, the first day you're going to go see a, uh, a concert at uh, Ryman auditorium in Nashville. So, cause we were going that evening anyway. Wow. So that, that's in- a cool. Uh, so I was about to actually ask you how Holly took that news and, her support on the other end of that, which yeah, you're right. That's kind of a dick move. Like it is. Oh, oh, oh it's a total dick move. But Absolutely. That is, no question. But, but that response and support, I think shows what type of individual Holly is, mm. uh, to, to help support you through this really tough point. Yeah. And, and the fact that you recognize it as a, Hey, that probably wasn't a good idea, but you know, we're where you came from that, you know, uh, here on the it, other end of that, that's amazing. Yeah, it got me into a depression and, you know, I went and got help for that and got on medication for it. And that really had helped me get out of that. Um, It's not medication is something I have to take uh, all the time. I think it was at that point. I was just at the lowest I'd ever been. Um, I think there was a lot of changes going on with my life being, you know, most of my life being a bachelor and only having to look out for myself. And so having to the responsibility of other people and having to put other people's needs in front of my own was something that was very new to me and I was failing at it. And it got me into this downward spiral of having a job that I disliked and adding all these new responsibilities and new feelings and stuff. And I didn't, I didn't channel them in a healthy way. And so I just bottled up and turtled it and it, it, and then it cascaded into this. So, but well, yeah, she, you know, uh, one, she's been super supportive for it. And, and, you know, I wouldn't be, be where I'm at now if it wasn't for her. Right. Yeah. No. And, and uh, one thing I want to kind of go back, something that you mentioned, you mm-hmm. felt like you were failing as, mm-hmm. as a father, you know, and I think it's certainly uh, tough to go from that bachelor lifestyle to mm-hmm. the life of, of a dad, like oh, yeah. zero to 60. What part of your experience as a stepfather did you did you feel like you were failing? 
Um, I would get, and I still have issues with it. Um, my patience. I I would have no patience for anything. Like you know, kids would come in and instead of you know being happy to see them and see how their day was, it'd be, be like you know I want to do my thing. I want to sit here and, and veg out because I've been at work all day. And instead of you know understanding these kids need attention and they need love and and that that kind you know normal parent interaction i was just a dick and it took me a while to see that i was being that way because you just don't know until you take you look yourself in the mirror and sometimes you you kind of don't want to see yourself in that kind of light yeah and uh yeah i mean i was i just had very little patience and i felt terrible for the fact that they had to pay the price for that that you know I'd get angry and like, I, I, unfortunately I inherited my, my dad's temper. My dad has a, just a, just a big temper. He was a huge, you know, Swede and uh, (laughs) it's that Viking blood in me. And, you know, I, sometimes I, I, I don't pick my battles very well or I, I I don't as I didn't, I'm getting better at it. Um, And so I'd get upset about like, you know, Ben's a hugely picky eater. Just, Just will only eat, two or three different things. And uh, like, I'll, it'll get me in on monkey stilts. And I don't even know why, because it's like, if the kid's healthy and happy, why does why did the heck, heck does it matter? You know? Um, and so it'd be stuff like that. And it, and it, it would make me like, I'd, I'd look back later and be like, why did I do that? Why was I so worried about something that's so inconsequential? Like it would make me feel like I was just this, failure like i was failing them i was failing holly i was failing myself and like but you know the, it made me the, the first thing though that you know i i, I just want to first point out something you're not alone mm-hmm. there in that feeling mm-hmm. of hey i i've had a long day i just want to veg out be by myself for a second you and i yeah. are kind of similar in that way because i i get that too it's like you know when when i have a really long day i sometimes yeah. just need some time to decompress and be by myself and when you're dealing with kids uh, that mm-hmm. it doesn't help um, that those stress yeah. levels and I deal with some of the stress and anxiety as well in similar mm-hmm. ways. So I, I totally get that, first of all. But but another thing worth pointing out here is that you are actively recognizing that it is an issue and mm-hmm. that is a big kudos. Not not a lot of men out there are uh, are strong enough or are too proud to recognize that being an issue. So, yeah. I mean, step one, you've recognized it. So, so what are you doing about it now? I try to be more patient. Like, and like I said, that it's, it's, it's small steps. Cause it, I, you know, I have good days and I have bad days where like some days I'm like, yeah, you know, like today we were, we, uh, we were having Ben help us clean and, and, uh, he was, you know, pretending like he couldn't sweep and, you know, uh, I stepped in because Holly was upset and said, you know, I know you know how to sweep. I've seen you do it at school. They teach you how to do it at school at the cafeteria because you take turns doing the cleaning in the cafeteria. So, no, you can do it. And I tried to be like the kind of the the understanding cop. I don't want to say good cop, bad cop. She wasn't bad cop. She was just tough cop. She was frustrated <laughs> and, uh, cop. Yeah, yeah, she was frustrated and, and she had every right to be. Uh, he was he was being, you know, obstinate. And uh, I was like, yo, dude, like, here's why we here. I, I try to, exp- and I think I said this in the, in the, pa- uh, the last podcast is like when I discipline them or I talk to them about something that 
they're doing that I think needs to be changed. I was like, I go, this is the reason why do you understand? And that like, because I feel like, and I think I picked a lot of that up when I was at uh, the job we used to work at together. I don't know if yep. you want me to say who the employer was or not, but I don't think it matters at this point. No, I don't. Yeah, <laughs> I don't. I don't think it does either. But no, it's um, the same. So, but it is the same. I do that with Aria though too, and that you're right. Yeah. That's that's something that we learned when we worked at Apple together. It yeah. was a explaining why, acknowledge, align, assure. If you remember mm-hmm. those three A's, like that's what I use in in parenting in some cases, and and you're positioning it, you know, like as a hey, this is why you do it, uh, it, it and that comes off even even for toddlers, man. My two-year-old daughter listens to that and is like, oh, okay, daddy. Like today I was just upstairs and she said, you know, daddy, come dance with me. Come dance with me. She wants to go dance to <laughs> to Frozen music. And and that's yeah. what we do every once in a while. We start a dance party in the kitchen and it's great fun. But <laughs> she had just eaten lunch and she likes to spin around. And I'm like, ah, that's probably not a good idea. And uh, she comes over and she's like, daddy, daddy, come on, come on. And I'm like, no, sweetie, like we can we can read a book. We can do something else. And I explained to her. If we were to spin around right now, right after Arya eats, Arya can get sick. And then she looks at me and she goes, oh, okay. And I say, let's wait 20 minutes and then we can go dance. And then she goes, okay, daddy. And like very, very understanding. Like, okay, that that makes sense. But when you take the time to explain it in a calm, rational way, yeah, yeah, like, yeah, the kids are, are way more capable of understanding that stuff than I think that we give them credit for. Yeah, I think, I think you're right. I think that the, my wife always calls the boys tiny humans instead of kids because that's what they are. They're just tiny humans. They're yeah. just littler. That's it. They're growing. They, they, they might not know as much, but that comes with experience. They're, they're just as capable at learning things as, and probably more so because that their brains are not full of all the BS that we have in ours <laughs> from star Wars trivia and all kinds of other stuff. It will so. be though. It will be full of that stuff, and it'll be fine. <laughs> uh, but you know, one thing that I want to I want to go back to a little bit before we take that next step to talk about where you are today. There was another very, very, very stressful point that you guys oh, yeah. dealt with, and that was Holly's surgery. Yeah. Um, do you want to share a little bit about what happened? Yeah, let me give a little background. Yeah. Um, you know, we had tried up until October. We took a little break, and then in January or in February of this year. We went to an endocrinologist um, and decided we were going to get some help. Um, so we were looking at um, first IUI, which is a uh, let me let me pull that up on the on old computer because I don't remember what IUI stands for. <laughs> Intrauterine insemination. So there it's basically artificial insemination, but instead of you know getting the drugstore off the shelf semen it's it's my 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 my, my fresh uh your deposit. fresh seed <laughs> i didn't know sorry uh, <laughs> um so what what they do is they give the the female more of the the drugs to help stimulate follicles and then they time when she when the perfect time is on her cycle then i go and make a deposit they then take the, uh, the the sample and they spin it in a centrifuge centrifuge and and wash it. Basically, it pulls all of the um, the good viable uh, sample and pulls it through and it keeps the bad stuff out. Um, so when they did the samples, all my samples were actually pretty good. My my numbers had actually gone up because I had started losing weight. 
uh, that December. And so by the time we started uh, doing these, my numbers actually had started to improve because they were bad in December uh, before losing weight. Um, so we went to, uh, we did our first one. It didn't work. And so we were, uh, we, in Holly had some issues with some of the, the staff at, at our first endocrinologist and just weren't, they didn't very good bedside manner. And so, uh, so we were looking at like maybe switching doctors and then she went in for her second consultation to move on to the second IUI because we're going to do at least three before we even thought about doing IVF. And they decided to, without telling her, they, she went in and then they gave her a prescription for a different drug, um, which is Clomid. And Clomid's not exactly, my wife has polycystic uh, ovary syndrome. Clomid and those don't mix. They, it, it can cause some, some issues. So when she got prescribed it, without them calling and telling us why, they just sent it to the doc, to the pharmacist. She had a bit of an issue. And I was like, you need to call, even though it's the emergency line, you need to call. Like, that's that's not cool. Like there needs to be an explanation of why we're switching drugs because we had been on the same level of letrozole. Like we had not upped that dose yet. We saw that it was working. It just needed, we, we believed. And I mean, we're not doctors, but my, my wife is, you know, is a lawyer. She, and you know, I've, I'm an educated person. We, you, you put a little bit of two and two together. I'm not saying that we should go be WebMD, but we'd also seen a lot of issues with, with, clomid with the her condition so right. it was like why is this and so i i convinced her to call the emergency line and when she called she got basically scolded for calling the emergency and this is an emergency i was like all right well that's that's strike two so we decided well we're gonna go get a consultation at another doctor who actually used to be a part of that practice and had left and so we went and had to consult with him and you know we told him our concerns with our our current endocrinologist and he you know he understood and he couldn't really say much because i think there's you know kind of a non-disclosure there but you could tell that there was understanding of why we were feeling the way we were right so so she was in the middle of that we were supposed to go that thursday we had gone to see them on, him on a tuesday and, we were, and that thursday we were supposed to go for our second iui with our first endocrinologist and he was like well i'm willing to do it here if you'd like for uh on thursday here for the second endocrinologist. And we're like, you know what? That's what we'll do. We're just going to switch. And we had a lot of issues getting the records from the old doctor. It was just a, a pain, but we moved on to our second doctor. Cause we really liked him a lot more. The staff were a lot more understanding and easy to deal with. But so she, we went in that Thursday, she had a very large follicle. Uh, what we think now turned out to be, it actually wasn't a follicle. It was actually a cyst. Um, so we'll get to that here. So we do the procedure numbers are fine about a week later. Uh, Holly is having incredibly sharp stabbing pains in her side, especially when she twists or get out of the car and I'm, and you know, I'm like, are you okay? She's like, I don't know. And I, you know, I'm like, I'm, you know, do you need me to take you to hospital? She's like, no, I'm going to go to the doctor. So she finally calls and they go, she goes in the doctor. When she goes in, the doctor's like, have you had anything to eat or drink today? And she's like, no, I went to a meeting. I've had like water. She's like, all right, we're, we're going to put you into surgery. Um, the, you have four or five cysts on your ovaries. And if they continue, there's a possibility your ovary could torque. God. Yeah. Oh so God. I, you know, this is the last day of my old, like I had, I had gotten a, a new job in that, that February. And I, had, I then got an interview when I started the new job and for my current job. 
And uh, I, I, this was the last day before I started my new, the, my current job. So it was like, all right, well, I'm gonna have to leave early. My, my, my wife's going to the hospital. So you know, I left early, went and made sure that the kids um, were going to be taken care of. Um, my mother-in-law t- took the boys and then, you know, I, I took her to the hospital and I waited there. Um, and the surgery went well. The doctor came out and you know said everything was okay. Her ovaries were fine, but it was, it was scary. I was, I was terrified. I thought that she was, you know, we weren't going to be able to, to, have a kid. I thought she was going to lose her ovary and then we were, we were done. The journey had ended. Yeah. So we took a month off and we, you know, let her heal up. Cause it was, you know, even though it was laparoscopic, she still was in a lot of pain and it. It, it caused, you know, I think that's, we, we had both lost about 40. She had lost about 40. I had almost lost about 50. So we lost a good amount of weight on weight watchers. And at that point, that's about the last time we've been on the diet. <laughs> Yeah. Uh, I've gained a bit back, uh, but I think that's more because when she has her cravings, I, I use that as an excuse. To, <laughs> sorry, I'm 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 spoiling myself. <laughs> um, so yeah, the uh, the surgery went well. The doctor came out and he, he's like, "I understand. Like, if you guys want to take a break," and I was like, "Yeah, we're probably gonna take a month off." And at that point, we we're like, "Do we?" do we just need to go to IVF or to go? There's another technology called InvoCell, which is what they call affordable IVF. So for those who, who don't know in vitro fertilization is when they uh, give the woman a shot that a shot or a set of shots that uh, causes her ovaries to over overstimulate to create several follicles. These follicles are then harvested and um, they're in a, you know, lab setting are, are fertilized with the, the males, uh, sperm to make them viable, um, uh, embryos. And then the embryos are then put inside an incubator where they're incubated for a few days and then they're returned back into the, uh, uterus so that they can, for implantation, what affordable IVF does is instead of doing this in an incubator, it does a very similar, uh, um, uh, gathering of the eggs. Um, but instead of going in, in doing stuff in like a lab, the eggs are then put into this device that are then you add the uh, washed uh, semen into this device. And then the device goes back inside of the woman with like a, like a, a diaphragm type device. And it sits inside there and the woman actually incubates them inside of the device. Um, and then afterwards, the, those embryos are then implanted very similar to, to what IVF does. So instead of it being done in a lab, it's done inside this device inside of a uh, side of the woman. Right. Um, and it's way cheaper. It's like f- three or four grand cheaper. Oh, wow. So, yeah. So we were thinking that's what we were going to have to do. So we, Holly had been researching some local doctors that had had experience with that. And one of the, the most well-known in the country is about an hour and a half away from us in Birmingham. So we decided we were going to go have a consult there. So we drove to Birmingham, met with, our doctor there, Dr. Hammond. And she was like, I don't think you guys need IVF. I think you guys could do another round of, of IUI, but this time we use the injectables. What that'll do is it'll stimulate more follicles, but then also we know how you'll react to the fault to the shots. If you have to move to IVF, but I don't think you're going to need that. Your counts have gotten better, Jeff, and you've lost weight. 
And Holly, you're, you've had two children in the past. We don't think there's any issues there. I think this is just a timing issue. I think we can do this. And so we thought it over and we decided we were going to go ahead and do with it. The shots are v- very expensive, and, but we figured this is our shot. And if it didn't work, we had all th- this puts us in a better opportunity in a better yeah. uh, spot if we have to move forward with IVF. Yeah. And, you know, on that, like when you heard that doctor say, yeah, this is just kind of give that explanation of it's probably just a matter of timing. It's prop, yeah. you know, I think we can do this. Yeah. What, what was going through your mind at that point? I was like, I'll give it a shot. I think this, you know, I was very positive because I feel like this was the first doctor we had gone to that really made us feel like we had the chance. And she was super positive and uh, welcoming. And she she calls Holly her spirit animal. Like, (sighs) you know, like it was awesome. Like she really, really loved my wife. It was super awesome to us and just made us feel welcomed and was like we're gonna make a baby and like it, this was her this is her her passion like it she worked in a previous practice and another doctor she's she's actually a, a doctor of registered nurses she's not a medical doctor she's a doctor but a doctor of registered nurse she has a doctorate in that gotcha and she's teamed up with a, a medical doctor who's a, a well-renowned endocrinologist and they're towards the end of their careers and they're like we want to help people have babies that's what we want to do and so they're trying to do it in a way where they can still keep a practice and, and make money, but do it in an affordable way to help people. And you can tell that's the, what they're passionate about. It's not about a lot of the the doctors we've gone to. I shouldn't say our second doctor was pretty good. Uh, I don't want to name names because for them, the, our current doctor will name because he's awesome. But the first two, I don't want to give them any kind of bad publicity. The second doctor was still great. We had no issues with them. We just felt like our best opportunity was with, with our current uh, endocrinologist. The first doctor can pound sand and I, <laughs> we know people who he's helped, but I, his staff was just terrible, yeah. <laughs> just absolutely terrible. Um, so like, you know, through this whole journey, we, you know, we felt like this was the best option. So we, we did the, the procedure in May and, about 10 days later, took a test and uh, I didn't know. So I'll tell you how she told me. Yeah. She was like, how are you going to tell him how you, t-? so uh, my, she calls me and she's like, Hey, do you want to go get lunch? And I'm like, sure. And so we go get lunch and I work in a, like a, a research park development, like business development, right. area, which is right next to a mall. So we, she picks me up and she, she's like, Hey, I got you something. Cause it was close to father's day. It was, yeah, it was right before father's day. So she hands me a, 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 a bag and inside there's the, the star Wars shirt. that says the best dad in the galaxy. And I was like, Oh, that's very sweet. She's like, no, look what else is in the bag. And there's like f- probably six or seven positive uh, pregnancy tests. And, and I just lose it. I started just, just choke, sob crying. <laughs> Because I'm I'm a sap. That's good. Um, no, that's that's oh, yeah. the reaction that shows that you really give a crap, man. Like that's beautiful. That is. Uh, beautiful. Yeah, I was super. I was super excited, and so we uh, went and had lunch, and I had a, you know, can I can I throw an s bomb here? Sure. I had I had a shit eating grin the entire time. Um, <laughs> no. Oh, I love it, it was, man. I'm so yeah. proud, and we were, you know, Deanna and I saw the news, and we were so excited for you guys. Um, I know the journey that you've been on has been so tough. Uh, folks just heard your story over the past several months. Um, and 
it really is. It's inspiring to to see the tenacity that you guys have shared as a couple. And, but I, I can't imagine that this was easy for you guys throughout the process. Um, did you guys have sort of like was your relationship tumultuous as a result of some oh, yeah. of this that was going on? Oh, yeah. Like uh, it really caused some strife. Like and I think a lot of it was, you know, the there's the the heightened emotional level of of any female that's on uh, any kind of hormones and it doesn't discount their feelings. Those are real true feelings. It, it's any kind of those feelings are turned up to 25 though. And so it made it difficult in, in some sense for me to gauge where she was at um, emotionally. And I also take things incredibly personally. So she would like, she would say something and I would get defensive. And then I, and that's, that's always going to think going to be an issue for me is was not taking things so personally, which is weird because I think in a work setting, I'm less like that. Like, I think, I think it's people you're more comfortable with. Cause I do the same thing. I I get, I think I take things a little personally with Deanna. Um, and you know, I recognize that, but it's hard, it's hard in the moment to not take it personally. And it's just something where I'm similar to you. I'm just working on being more aware when I'm in the moment of how I'm reacting, just kind of taking a, a pause and looking at my, my current state and being like, is that appropriate? Is that an appropriate way to feel? And, and like, uh, and react to it. And that, that seems to help. Yeah. And I I think it's just learning who I am and how, who I want to be. And like, you know, I had a hard time with all the chores, um, you know, that piled up because like I, I would come home and exhausted from work and like, I'd have all this extra stuff to do because Holly just didn't have the energy. Cause either she was on the hormones or she was pregnant. And like, I, it just felt like this Sisyphean task and it was just tough and it made her anxiety go up because the house was getting, uh, just in disarray and, and it, it, it caused a lot of strife. And I think also for me, it's like, it was tough cause I haven't been back to, to Virginia in a while. And we were having some issues at the beginning of the pregnancy, just f- from she had gotten some cysts, uh, at the beginning of the pregnancy because the HCG was feeding them. So I decided to stay, I was going to come up for father's day to see my dad. And, uh, I ended up canceling the trip and it, I think it, it caused a, a bit of heartache for me. Cause I, I, I'm, you know, I miss my family at home, but I know my place is here. And I think for her, she feels like me wanting to go home means that I don't want to be here. And that's not the case. It's just that I miss my family. And it's, it's these, all these complex emotions that it's, it's hard to put into words in a way where it doesn't, you know, I think motivation, it's hard to gauge motivation sometimes. And it's, it's tough. Like, um, I mean, like, how do you guys it, deal with that then? Like, what, what do you guys do to kind of create a little bit better of an atmosphere, uh, for you guys as a couple? And, and, you know, even as you guys are having, uh, these, these issues in front of the boys, like how do you guys well, handle we, all that? We, we try not to, to argue in front of the kids. Like when the kids are around, we, we will talk, but we won't get into any kind of more heated arguments of that because it's, we don't want them to feel like it's their fault because, that tends to happen is that a kid will think if the kids are, yeah. yell, you know, mom and dad are yelling, what did I do? Yeah. Um, especially Ben, Ben has a very, feels like, um, a lot of things are his fault a lot. And it's like, no dude, you're, you're good. Um, I think 
a lot of times after we have a more like heated argument, we'll sit down, we'll, we'll both take a minute and then we'll come back and say, Hey, here's, I'm sorry. Here's what, here's what I was actually trying to say Yeah. <clears throat> when we're talking in a more rational tone. And I think I, I, you know, I think I need to be more of like trying to understand her rationale and her put myself in her shoes. Sometimes I don't understand why she's thinking the way she does. And I can understand where she's coming from. And sometimes I, I don't understand, but I got to respect yeah, it's important. what she's, what she's, what she's feeling. You have to, They're, I think everybody's mm-hmm. entitled to, to feel the way that they want to feel. And, you know, I think that part of our job is to be understanding as husbands in, in that regard and, and take a moment to understand where they're mm-hmm. coming from. Yeah. And I'm trying to, to be more patient with that, especially when, at this point, you know, emotions are going to be much more on the surface than they are normal. Yeah. Oh, they, um, yeah. As, as is understandably so. Right. Uh, oh yeah, absolutely. I mean, she's growing another human being like that. Uh, and I understand that's going to pull a lot of energy and it's going to be full of this cocktail of uh, hormones that are going to are making huge changes in your body. And I can only imagine, I can tell that it's made changes in me because I think, you know, that, that when you're around, some, uh, even as a man, you're around your, your pregnant wife. I think there's some biological changes that happen to men as well. It's not as overt, but I definitely think they're subtle. Like my sense of smell has increased somehow. I don't know how I think and I know that that happens in, in pregnant women. But for me, like I've noticed like, I my think, sense of taste and smell have, have increased for some reason. I think that's true. And, you know, if somebody listening to the show has any medical merit around that theory, write in the dad chronicle podcast at gmail.com because I, I, my sense of smell, honestly, and I hadn't really ever talked about this, but my sense of smell heightened. And like, I would smell all these things. Like when Aria would pee, for instance, like, like when she was first born, people would be like, how do you know? And I'm like, cause I can smell it. You guys can't smell that. And they'd be like, no. And, and yep, she peed like the weird little paternal instinct things kick in even as a yeah. dad, where, whereas like, yeah, you're not growing the human, but you know, maybe it's that bond and that partnership causes something chemical to happen. Or maybe it's just coincidence. Who knows? But I, I, I like to think that Hey, you know what? Uh, there's some kind of a bond there that that's causing it. It's, uh, I think there's some kind of nat- like I would assume it's something pheromone related or hormone related, where the herd change in hormones shifts a change in your hom- hormones. Oh yeah, and the, the and the and the smell or something. Some, it, it, it's something in our, in our weird lizard brain that changes. <laughs> that's all I can think of is that we're like we're built to do certain tasks at certain points in in our in our, in our, in our lives. Like, yeah, uh, we're, we're just big biological machines. Like there's some, some kind of th- switch flips. And that's something I like, I, th- that's the only thing I can think of. Cause I, I definitely can tell a difference in certain aspects of like my physiology after she, like after she got pregnant. It's amazing. Uh, isn't it? Oh yeah. It's wild. It's so wild. So how are you feeling now on the other end of this though? Like, are you, are you excited? You're nervous? Like, what are you feeling? I'm super excited and I'm scared shitless. <laughs> <laughs> and you guys, like, do you guys know what you're having? Like, are you going to have a boy or a girl or what? Uh, y- yes, we know. You're not going to say it? No. Oh my God. You're we, one of those people. We, so, so we took a, a blood test off the internet called sneak peek, which is oh. they just came out and they're like 99 point what 1% accurate. 
And so we got that. So we were pretty sure we know uh, we go in on Monday for our 10 week um, ultrasound and like the genetic testing and stuff. So we'll know for sure from there, but we're trying to keep it a secret till we reveal it to uh, uh, our family. The, our, our, the boys know and me. So. so I think so. Okay. I'm going to go with team girl on this one. Okay. <laughs> <laughs> Damn it. I was hoping that I could get a better like uh, verbal acknowledgement or it's, whatever. It's te- right now it's just Team Blauby. I'm I'm all, you know what? In all in all seriousness, Team Blauby is just a great place to be in general. You know? I, I agree. I agree. We're, the fact we're that we're here. Stoked. Oh, that's so great. No, no, uh I like to end the show on a little bit of words of wisdom and you know, one of the things that we talked about was uh, and this was before we started really recording, was how there really isn't a lot of, you didn't find a whole lot of support um, f- for men and, and you know, expecting fathers or, or to, uh, people who want to become fathers on how to deal with infertility and cope and continue to move forward. So how should men be supported in uh, in these sort of situations from your own personal experience? I think you just try to reach out to men who are current fathers, anybody that you, you know, cause you never know if they had to go through the same kind of thing you did because it's such a, a taboo, if you will, quote unquote, that, uh, you know, no one talks about infertility. I was pretty open about it. You saw, I'm sure my post on Facebook and then Broke you know, my heart. three days, yep. three, three days later finding out. <laughs> yeah, no, that was, but you know, I think that, yeah, uh, the, the universe has a mysterious way of working and, but yeah, I think you're right. If if you just start a conversation with somebody, and this is a big part, a big mission of what I try to do at this show is just put stories like yours out there so that this becomes less taboo. I know yeah, plenty. And, of, I know plenty of men who go through this, and it's not like, anything to be ashamed of. Yeah, I even talked to like my doctor about like I uh, switched general practitioners and I switched to a male doctor because I feel like I would be a little bit more comfortable talking to a male doctor. And he was like, "Yeah, we had to go through issues and." You know, I ended up getting a prescription for sildenafil. If you know what that is, it's the generic version of of the little blue pill. Um, to like, and it wasn't because I had issues with ED. It was performance anxiety, and it gave me the confidence. Like th- we were able to t- have the timing before and after the IUI. Yeah, um, and I think that also helped a lot. And it, I, I'll, we'll never know if it was the you know, those times or the IUI. Um, but I do feel like the shots really did give us the opportunity cause she had three follicles and we ended up with one. So yeah, I'll be forever thankful to Dr. Hammond for being that, giving us the, the tools to, to give us our blow beak here now. Cause I don't, I'm not sure if, if we had been, would have been able to do it without that. I'm not hundred percent. I'll never know. I'm just thankful. I'm, 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 I'm just incredibly lucky that in, you know, blessed and whatever other words you want to use, but, but that person in your life, like that, that's, that's the thing. That's that human touch where they were able to even instilling, like what you said earlier on, instilling that confidence in you guys and, and helping mm -hmm. you kind of feel like, yeah, you know what? I feel like we can do this. And here you are, whether that medically helped, you know, uh, through the drugs or, you know, whatever it might be, you know, like Mm -hmm. here you are. Yeah, I mean, it could have been uh, the placebo effect or something psychosomatic, but uh, or it could have been the drugs. Who knows? I'll never know. I'm just glad it happened. Uh, I would just try to be supportive. Uh, if you're going through the struggle, 
Um, be supportive of your partner. Be there. Don't do the boneheaded things I did and get defensive. Just try to do whatever you can to help. Like, be open about it. Talk to people about it because that helped me more than anything else. Just knowing that other people were going through the same struggle. Right. And, you know, we watched a lot of stuff and it was heartbreaking. And we were like, what if that's us? Um, and so that it can be a little counterproductive uh, in, in that sense. But I think it also set us up for what to expect if it doesn't happen yeah. and what we have to do. So it's heartbreaking and it's tough and it, you cry and you have nights where you get upset at each other and that's going to happen. But just know that you two are your, you, your team, you, you got, you got to have the other person's back and that you're going to, you got to be there. And, and in the end, if you guys work together, you can end up, you know, having a, a baby and like, and, and I'm, hoping and praying everything stays healthy and happy. It's looking that way so far, but that's exciting. Uh, yeah. I mean, it, you, you never know that there's still, you know, a percentage uh, up until about 12 weeks where it's, you know, yeah, something can happen. So it, it's always in the back of your head. You know, we, we, we know some people that had lost one that was going to have very similar due date and it was heartbreaking. Yep. Like, it, absolutely. Ter- and, but then you think about it, well, if that's the percentage that maybe that gets us, that's that, we dodged that. And, so, and, and that's yeah. a horrible thing to think that way. But in the same light, it's like, you know, I'm, I'm, I, you feel even more blessed that you're in the position that you are. Yeah. There, there were, um, uh, there were situations leading up to Aria being born where we had heard of friends who had just had a baby and it had passed away or, or miscarriage or anything like that. You are so sensitive to those situations at the stage that you're in. Um, but I think that to what you said, it helps you feel truly blessed for what you now have and and the and also the appreciation for the journey that you've been on. So, Jeff, thanks for uh, sharing a bit more about your story. And uh, maybe we'll check in uh, after baby Blauby is born and baby Blauby. I like that. So absolutely. Um, sorry. The, the the youngest one just walked in with the iPad asking to charge it. <laughs> <laughs> so no worries. Thanks, Lucas. life of a a life of a parent right there guys i I think perfectly summed up well again our guest has been jeff blau thanks so much for taking the time to chat today my friend always good chatting with you oh it's it's a pleasure please do it again and and get me on get me on another podcast too you know how much i love video games oh yeah joystick and mouse look out jeff will be on that soon enough so joystickandmouse.com um thanks again jeff we'll talk soon Thanks again to our guest, Jeff Blau. Such an awesome story and so proud of him and Holly for coming out on the other end of this. Not everybody is as lucky as he is. So uh, really great to hear his story. And if you enjoyed what you listened to today, give us a five-star rating on iTunes and consider supporting this show. If you head over to thedadchronicle.com, there's a link to become a patron. We have a lot of really great rewards out there for patrons, so be sure to check that out. And if you'd like to chime in on the conversation, email the Dad Chronicle podcast at gmail.com. And if you'd like to follow me, you can do so by just searching on social media for at Alex Albisu and find all the other shows I do over at incastmedianetwork.com. Thanks so much for listening. I'll see you guys next time. If you like this show, check out more great content at incastmedianetwork.com.